as some of you may know, these quackcasts are actually audio renditions of my science-based medicine blog entries. Not everyone wants to read a blog, and some people prefer to listen to my wonderful voice. You'd be surprised how often I'm mistaken as a female on the telephone. Or maybe not. Anyway, this is the 125th QuackCast, and if you go to the Science-Based Medicine website, you'll find all sorts of clever little hyperlinks that make the text a little better, I think. But there's just so many hours in the day, and I can't do a QuackCast and a unique Science-Based Medicine blog entry. And I am a big proponent of repurposing all my material to every format I can come up with. So this one is called, I Refute It Thus, a Samuel Johnson reference. Reality is one honey badger. It don't care about you, about your thoughts, about your needs, about your beliefs. You can reject reality and substitute your own, but reality will roll on, eventually crushing you, even as you refuse to dodge it. The best you can hope for is to play by reality's rules and use them to your benefit, at least for a short period of time. Combined with a little bit of luck, and there's nothing quite as lucky as being a white middle-class male in the United States, you might have a reasonably healthy life. The most reliable way to understand reality is science and the scientific method. Used wisely, you may have a shot at minimizing morbidity and mortality. Well, you won't minimize mortality. Everybody dies. Deny it or ignore it, reality don't care. Reality will get us all. We all have our biases, recognized and unrecognized. I often see the world in terms of infectious diseases. Go figure. When I read Team of Rivals, the political genius of Abraham Lincoln, I enjoyed the politics and personalities, but I was struck by how people constantly died young of infectious diseases. They died of measles, they died of scarlet fever, they died of typhoid. It was remarkable. We don't see that kind of mortality in the young anymore, at least in the industrialized West, for a variety of reasons. We have better nutrition. We have an understanding of the pathogenesis of disease. Nothing beats clean water and flush toilets. And of course, vaccines. Vaccines have helped push many diseases into obscurity that were once common. It's now been 30 years since I graduated medical school, and I have never seen a case of measles or diphtheria. I have seen one case of mumps, one of polio, one of tetanus, one case of German measles. And unfortunately, recently, lots and lots and lots of pertussis. Most people have not lived in a time of plagues or remember their effects. People are uninterested in history and the lessons of the past and don't look at the morbidity and mortality of vaccine-preventable illnesses in the third world. But the reality is vaccine-preventable illnesses are still there and the barriers to prevent their return are surprisingly fragile. It does not take much thinning of herd immunity to allow vaccine-preventable illnesses to come storming back. We are always, like Charlie Chaplin, skating close to the edge of infectious disease outbreaks and are not aware of the danger. But reality don't care if we think vaccines do not work or cause autism or we give too many too soon. 
stop vaccinations, and it is not if but when we will see the vaccine-preventable infections return. We think we are safe from vaccine-preventable illness. We are not. There have been many natural experiments that demonstrate how little it takes for infections to gain a toehold once they find a susceptible population. The current brouhaha ha, 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 is over the megachurch in Texas, where it was de rigueur to trust in God rather than vaccinations to prevent infections. Quote, to get a vaccine would have been viewed by me and my friends and my peers as an act of fear. When you doubted God would keep you safe, we simply didn't do it. End of quote. So far in Texas, 21 people have developed measles, 16 of them unvaccinated. I just finished a zombie trilogy, and I tend to think of the word unvaccinated like the word undead. And there is that nice mathematical modeling of different zombies. I have written of infectious diseases as zombie outbreaks in the past, and there's that nice mathematical modeling about zombie apocalypses, apocalypsi, and how different responses may or may not perpetuate a zombie apocalypse. You can read those essays that I wrote with the references over at the horror zine. Anyway, measles has not yet escaped into the wild. Yet. But the outbreak in Texas is not the first nor the last outbreak of vaccine-preventable illnesses we are likely to see. When I first became active in science-based medicine, I was surprised as I looked back on my education and saw how little emphasis was placed on vaccines. In part, it is because I am an adult ID doc, who I treat, not necessarily how I behave. And in part, I suspect, because the benefits of vaccines, like fresh water and sterile technique, were given. The first large outbreaks of vaccine-preventable illnesses in previously vaccinated populations occurred after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Russia had made most of the vaccine, and for economic and other reasons, the diphtheria and other vaccine rates plummeted in the old Soviet Union as supplies fell. As a result, diphtheria went ballistic, from 200 cases a year to widespread disease in only four years. Get this, quote, The diphtheria epidemic began in 1990 in the Russian Federation, spread to Ukraine in 1991, and spread to 12 of the 13 remaining NIS during 93 to 94. In 94 to 95, the peak of the epidemic, 98,000 cases and 3,400 deaths were reported. That is amazing how fast it took off. The disease was slowly controlled, in part by, huh, reinstituting the vaccine program. Who would have figured? I remember thinking back at the time what a tragedy it was that so many children had to suffer and die from such an easily preventable illness. But that would never happen in Oregon or in the industrialized nations. But outbreaks keep happening whenever the vaccination rates decline. Why vaccination rates fall varies from country to country and from vaccine to vaccine. Sometimes it's rational, sometimes political, and sometimes it's kind of wackaloon. For whatever reason, reality don't care. When the population is susceptible, the infections move in. For example, 
1993, the MMR vaccine was withdrawn in Japan due to high rates of aseptic meningitis that were associated with the mumps component. This was followed in 1994 by removal of the vaccine requirements to attend school. The result? A remarkable increase in vaccine-preventable illnesses. 12,000 cases of rubella in the first six months of 2013, with 10 cases of congenital rubella. 76% of the cases were in the unvaccinated. For comparison, between 2004 and 2012, there were 79 cases of rubella in the United States and only six cases of congenital rubella syndrome. And all the cases were imported. Part of the reason for the epidemic spread is that the Japanese only vaccinated females. So males have been a vector to allow the spread of disease. Not trying for herd immunity, the Japanese lost the ability to control the infection. The only case of German measles, rubella, I have ever seen was in 1989 when I visited a friend who lived in Tokyo who became ill with rubella the day I landed. In 2007 to 2008, the Japanese had 27,000 cases of measles and are still trying to play catch-up with the vaccine. In 2012, the U.S. had 222 cases of measles, 90% of which were imported and often occurred, like Texas, in communities with low or non-existent vaccination rates. I live in Portland. We're actually relatively close to Japan. We have all their garbage routinely washing up on our beach. Of course, there's no measles on the beach garbage. Similar problems are occurring in Europe. There have been thousands of cases of measles, mumps, and rubella that follow the decline in vaccination rates, with at least 78% of measles cases in the unvaccinated. Poland, Chile, Chile, Argentina, and Brazil, following the Japanese example of avoiding herd immunity, only targeted females for rubella vaccination, and outbreaks continue to be perpetuated in the male population jumping then into females with resultant cases of congenital rubella when the females get the disease whilst pregnant. Nigeria, for complex reasons, including the belief that vaccines were being used to sterilize Islamic children, boycotted the polio vaccine. Reality don't care. There's no immunity to polio. Polio came back. In the U.S., most outbreaks of vaccine-preventable illness have been focused in communities like the congregation in Texas, where vaccine-induced immunity has declined. The main exception is pertussis, where the current acellular vaccine turns out to be nowhere near as effective as the older vaccine, although it has fewer complications. Do you see a consistent pattern? Vaccines are protective, and when individuals are not vaccinated their risk for vaccine-preventable illness increases dramatically. And when enough individuals are no longer immune because they refuse the vaccine, because they don't respond to the vaccine, or because of underlying medical problems they can't take the vaccine, communities have outbreaks. If you are not immune, for whatever reason, reality is one honey badger. It don't care. If exposed, you will get infected and you will pass it on. I tend to be a booster about all things Oregon. 
it is almost a perfect place to live. Almost. Oregon, go Oregon, leads the U.S. in unvaccinated children at 6.4%. When you add to that the number of those who do not respond to the vaccine, I would bet that the at-risk population in the state is probably greater than 10%. Although the unvaccinated do tend to cluster in pockets, i.e. schools, some approaching 80-90% unvaccinated, these are nice vectors for increasing the risk of disease amplification in the community. Diseases don't care what grand faloon you're a member of. It may get a jump start in an unvaccinated community, but it will not be contained there. Infectious diseases, as I have mentioned in the past, are similar to birding, except that infectious diseases is actually interesting. I have a life list. Those infections I have seen or expect to see in my career. I have never expected that I would ever see a case of measles or diphtheria or rubella or mumps that wasn't imported in the United States. That is probably about to change. Every time I walk the rat warrens of Chicago O'Hare or similar airport hub, I think, what an excellent place to spread measles or rubella or smallpox or the contagion that will bring on the zombie apocalypse. All the vaccine-preventable infections are a red-eye flight away from the United States. It is a small world with fragile defenses against infections, a thin red line of immunoglobulins, and it is slowly crumbling. The number of unvaccinated are creeping up in the U.S. and in the formerly great state of Oregon, and with it the potential, which will be realized, of more outbreaks. It is not if, it is when. Reality don't care. And that ends the 125th Quackcast. You must just be feeling so happy and upbeat after the last one. With that surge of enthusiasm and joy, go to iTunes and write me a review. Otherwise, go out and get vaccinated. I'll see you next time. Bye.